Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Luis, and we're in a series called Receipts. In this series, we take a deeper look into some of the questions people may have about their faith. Our prayer is that through God's Word, we can answer some of these questions that you might be wrestling with. We hope you enjoy week two. Tonight, as I was thinking about receipts, there was a, uh, there's a story that I'm going to share to open up tonight, um, to open up the message. But it's funny because what I'm about to share, when it happened, I, in my mind I thought, I'm never telling anybody about this because um, it's just like, it's just embarrassing. And um, it actually just happened a few weeks ago. But when I was thinking about receipts, there's a receipt I got just recently that kind of like rocked my world. And... Uh, and I shared this with the staff um, a few weeks ago and just super embarrassed, uh, but I can't help but think about it in light of tonight's message. And so um, I'm just going to share it with you guys and hopefully you don't judge me, um, but you probably will or think less of me. I don't know. Um, but um, like most people, we have a vacuum cleaner in our house. Um, pretty awesome. Sweeps up all the dirt. It's great. Um, my wife had broken one of the prongs, like where you plug the vacuum in just one of the prongs came off. Vacuum cleaner was really fine. You just couldn't get the power to it. And uh, I'm like, well, we got to get it fixed. I'm like, a prong on a vacuum cleaner? Like, that's an easy fix. Like, I could probably take that anywhere, but we did look for a vacuum store. We thought, okay, find a vacuum store. This will be great. Um, we look, we find one, we take it in. I walk in, and we had said to ourselves, we're not going to spend more than like $50. We're like, $50, you know, maybe 60 but if it's like way too expensive, we'll just get a new vacuum cleaner. Not that big a deal. I go in, and I'm talking to the guy that owns the vacuum um, cleaning place. I'm like, I, have, I broke this prong. I was like, how much will it cost to like fix this thing? And he looks at it, and he's like, oh, that's a, yeah, it's like eight bucks to like fix that. He's like, labor's going to be like $38. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's perfect. So $50 um, around there. Um, before I leave, though, before I walk out, he says, and the vacuum cleaner kind of looks dirty. You don't really like notice your vacuum cleaner until you take it into a place like this. You're like, oh, that's kind of nasty. He goes, uh, when's the last time you changed the filters on there? And I'm like, well, I don't know. We've probably had a couple years, never changed the filters. And he's like, he's like, I'll check that out for you. I'll, uh, I'll fix you up. If it needs changed, I'll, you know, I'll clean them out or whatever. I'll replace them. I said, oh, that's great. Um, thank you. Leave. A couple days later, I go back. Walk in, ready to get my vacuum cleaner. Just a normal day. Like, everything's cool. I walk in to get my vacuum cleaner, talking with the guy. He's a believer. We start talking about believing in Jesus and all this stuff. I'm like, man, he's, this guy's going to cut me a discount or something. We're like building a really solid relationship here. He brings out the vacuum cleaner. It looks great. The prong is fixed. This is awesome. He said, hey, I put some scented stuff in there, too. It's going to smell great. I'm like, you are the man, okay? He says, all right, it's time for the total. And um, this is what he tells me. He says, that'll be $139. I'm like, what? But I'm standing there and I don't know what to do. Like I kind of panic because he said he was doing some things. So I like pull out my, I pull out my wallet and I give him my discover card and I'm standing there like, I don't know what is happening right now. <laughs> he is robbing me in broad daylight, right? I'm like, here you go. I hand over my card, $139. I'm like, that's like three times more than I thought I would pay. So I hand it over and I, only thing I know to say is I'm like, so you clean the filters, huh? You know, he's like, oh yeah, I took it all apart, cleaned it all up for you. I'm like, okay. But he did say, he's like, he didn't replace the filters. He said, yeah, I just cleaned them up. I'm like, okay. I put the card back and he hands me the receipt. I take the vacuum cleaner, I get in my car and I'm literally, I sit in my car and I look at the receipt and I'm like, what just happened in there? I just paid $139. And in that moment I thought, I was like, nobody can ever know about this. 
But I tell you that story because I'm looking at this receipt and I'm just shocked. You guys, I literally, like, I don't know if you've ever made a mistake like that, getting your vacuum cleaner fixed, because that's, you know, you know, that's an important thing. But here I am thinking, I'm about to spend $50, and next thing I know, I'm like giving away my, my kid's college tuition, you know, investment right there, you know, in that moment. I'm like, what is happening? And I'm like, I cannot believe how much this cost me. And I'm thinking about receipts. I'm looking at the receipt, and I'm thinking about, like, our life spiritually. I put my faith in this, in this guy, and he mentioned he was going to do some stuff, but I didn't worry about getting other information. I was just kind of like, yeah, dude, I just trust you. I don't even know this guy, but I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't know what I, don't know what I would have done if he would have charged him like $500. I'd probably just be like, okay, yeah, $500, there you go, sir. Oh my gosh, what just happened? But I just, I placed my faith in this guy, thinking like, oh, it's going to be fairly inexpensive. And it cost way more than I thought it was going to cost. And as I'm thinking about this, this series, as I'm thinking about receipts and proof of our faith, I couldn't help but think spiritually what we place our faith in. Like you're sitting in this room, and, and believe it or not, every single one of you are placing your faith in something. You're trusting someone. You're trusting yourself. Maybe there are some of you in this room, you are trusting God. You've placed your faith in God. But what I worry about, what kind of hit me is I wonder how many of you are placing your faith in something other than God? And what I worry about is someday you're going to get to the end of your life because you didn't search for truth, you didn't search for answers, you didn't take a look at God's Word, you just kind of trusted what your friend said, or you just kind of went away from God because you're like, I don't know too much about that. Because you didn't dig for more information, I just wonder, some of you are going to get to the end of your life, and you're going to stand before God, and you're going to wonder, like you're going to be sitting there, and, and God is going to show you how much this life costs. And I just can't help but think some of you are going to stand before God, and you're going to be shocked at the price that has to be paid for not placing your faith in God. And to be honest, you guys, I don't want that to happen to any of you in this room. I don't want any of you to be standing before God and be checking out the receipt of what the cost is going to be for the way that you live your life and realize I'm going to spend an eternity separated from God, and all because nobody ever told you what was in this book, nobody ever helped you understand what your life is supposed to be about. And because of that, you're standing before God shocked in the same way, but actually even more. When I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my car and I'm just like, oh my gosh, why did I not ask him how much it was going to cost to like clean the filters? Because I would have made a totally different decision if I hadn't known, if I hadn't known better. And students, tonight, we're going to take just a moment. We're going to look at God's word. And like I said, each one of you are placing your faith in something. And I'm telling you, if, that, if your faith is not in God, you are going to be highly disappointed when you get to the end of your life. But I hope that you will see Scripture tonight, and you'll see something. For some of you, you're skeptical about this whole following God. I don't know. I haven't heard enough. Well, I hope that tonight, as you hear God's Word, you might be willing to say, you know what? I'm not going to trust what my friends say, or I'm not just going to trust that I know better. I'm going to trust in Jesus. And so this is what we're going to look at tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Hebrews 11. So in case you were wondering, the Hebrews coffee shop, this series, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you guys, how many of you guys got some hot chocolate? Anybody? Hot chocolate out there? Anybody? Coffee? Anybody the coffee drinker? Yep, yep. So we're in Hebrews. The whole idea of the coffee shop, Hebrews, is because we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. So maybe that'll click for some of you guys. Yeah, some, that'll click. Okay, yeah, here we go. So Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at one verse real quick. We're going to move through a different, a few places. But keep in mind, you guys, tonight is about me helping you understand who Jesus is, who God is, in hopes that you might place your faith in Christ and know a little bit more what that means if you think you've already placed your faith in Christ. This is what Hebrews 11 says. 
Verse 1, it says, now faith, so we're talking about, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Some of you in this room are like, I need proof. I want to know more about God, and I need some proof tonight. And this is what Hebrews 11 tells us. It says that your faith is actually the reality or the proof of God. If you're in this room and you want proof that God exists, well, it's going to require you to take a step of faith. If you're in this room and you're like, I've given my life to Christ, but I don't really know what that means, or I need some proof that I really did give my life to Christ, well, the proof that you have given your life to Christ is that you walk in faith. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. Um, I have the most amazing wife, beautiful, great mother, great wife. She is absolutely incredible, beauty queen, um, beauty, and just a heart for the Lord, like this amazing heart for the Lord, like absolutely incredible. If I would have known when I was in college that God had Lauren, my wife, if that was the plan, you guys, when I was in high school in J-High, I would have never even talked to a girl. I'd have been like, nope, I got Lauren waiting for me. You know, I just got to wait a few more years, you know? But if I knew, like if I knew what was waiting for me, I would have lived my life in this totally different way because I would have been like, I don't want to mess up this great plan that God has for me. What God has asked us to do is to live in faith. When you look at this passage, when it says that faith is the reality of what's hoped for, it's the process of living your life in a way that you know that God's going to do what He says He's going to do. It's living your way when, when I, if, if, I were to, if I knew that God had Lauren plan, planned for me in my life, it, was, it would be me living my life like, well, I'm not dating anybody because I know that God has this amazing plan for me. I'm going to live in faith, and that's proof. That's, that's the proof. That's what it looks like for your faith to be proof that you believe God's promises. Here's an important note, though. Or here's something that's interesting. The way that Lauren came into my life about seven months before I met my wife, because some of you guys, man, you're on the search for that one. Before I met my wife, seven months, I made a commitment to walk in faith. I'd gotten out of a relationship. I told God, God, I want to know what it means to follow you with all my heart. Some of you guys know my story, but I made this commitment to say, God, I want to spend more time with you, more time in your word than I do anybody else. I made a commitment. I was like, God, I'm not going to ask anybody out on dates because being in a relationship had become a really important thing to me. And I was like, God, I just want to be in a relationship with you. I made that commitment to God. And for seven months, I just pursued God. There would be some, there, I'm not going to lie, there'd be some girls that were like, hey, you know, or some people that'd be like, hey, what do you think about dating so-and-so? And I'd be like, no way, I'm not doing it. Which would actually be kind of like the opposite way. If I want to find a spouse, you would think, hey, you should probably go on some dates or like talk to some girls. But I was like, no, all I want is God. I want to pursue him with all I have. And I got super plugged into my church. I got super plugged in with a small group Bible study, a group of guys um, there at the church that I was at. And I was just like, God, I want my life to be all about you because I'm actually tired of being broken and hurt. And so I began to live this way where I'm like, I'm not going on dates. I'm not even talking to girls. And what's crazy is seven months later, God brought my wife into my life. When I actually started living like God had a plan, I found out that God actually did. And it was incredible. But here's an important note, because I'm talking about relationships, and the, the point is not for you to sit here and think, oh, I want to find the one, so I'm just going to pursue God. No, because my point, whenever I made God the most important thing in my life, the point was that I was saying to God, Lord, I don't care if I spend the rest of my life alone, because all I want is you. And I want to know what, what it's like to be perfectly content with you. And when I was perfectly content with God, it's crazy. When you're perfectly content with God, when you walk in faith and you're saying, God, you're all I need. I don't need this party. I don't need this group of friends. I don't need this relationship. When you walk with God, 
It's amazing how God will bless your life when you are content with only having him. It's amazing what he'll trust you with. If you'll walk in faith, and walking in faith, when you choose to walk in this crazy life and crazy obedience to God, it's amazing to see what he does, and that walk becomes proof. It becomes the reality of what's hoped for. Faith is the reality of what's hoped for. It's the proof. It's that receipt. If some of you guys want the receipt, I just need to know if God is real. He's saying, take a step of faith tonight. Trust me. Trust that when I say I will save your life, trust when I promise you that I will give you a joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding, trust me in that. Follow me in that. Don't continue to fill your life with what you want, but fill your life with my word and what I want. Follow me in faith tonight, and I promise you I'll deliver on my promise if you walk in faith, and that faith becomes proof. It's amazing. In Hebrews 11, we're going to run out of time, guys. In Hebrews 11, let me just read through this. It says in verse 1, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. I'll be honest with you guys, I've kind of wrestled with that. I'm like, that's so mind-boggling, right? I hope that this illustration helps you understand. In verse 2, it says, for by it our ancestors were approved. It's through faith. How do we become approved? Through this faith. Jonathan talked about this last, uh, last week, verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen has been made from the things that are not visible. Hebrews 11 begins to lay out people who lived by faith. People who couldn't see what God was doing, but they trusted and what we're doing in the series is we're looking at individuals. We're looking at these life receipts, people that we can look at. When you're kind of struggling with, it's hard to trust God. I don't know that I believe in God. I'm so skeptical. Now, I don't know that I can truly trust this. When you look at Hebrews 11, you have a list of people, Cain, uh, Abraham. We're going to look through some of these people. You look through there, Joseph, Moses. There's these people who they live by faith. When they couldn't see God, they chose to live by faith, and they got to experience something that is incredible. And, and so what I want to look at in the last few minutes we have is verse 7. There's a character that you're probably really familiar with, but we can learn something incredibly important from his life tonight. In Hebrews 11 verse 7, it says this. It says, by faith. Guys, that word is so important. If you want proof tonight of who God is, it's going to require a step of faith. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe for the first time in a long time, it's going to require you to trust God in an incredible way. But you have to know this truth tonight. In verse 7, it says this, by faith, it says Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen. Right? That's the important thing. After being warned about what was not yet seen, it says in reverence, built an ark to deliver his family. Moses in faith, he was obedient. But that one, those three words, that not yet seen is so important because it makes you think like, what was not yet seen? What was not yet seen by Noah, and this is an important piece, what was not yet seen by Noah doesn't just apply to Noah in his day, but what wasn't seen is actually something that applies to each one of you in this room. And I want you to see it. And so in Genesis, let's walk through this real quick. So what was not seen, right? Because it says, by faith, Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen, in reverence, built an ark to deliver his family. So what wasn't seen? Why did he have to build this ark? What was it that, that Noah couldn't see? And how does that apply to us? Well, let's look at Genesis chapter 6, and let's look at the story of Noah. 
and the ark, which is this really cute kid story and actually a little funny side note. Mason like memorized in our little kid Bible, Mason, we read the story so much that Mason literally memorized how to, he memorized the whole story when he was like, I think like two and a half, he was like literally saying the whole story, which was kind of cute. But um, anyways, I don't know why I said that, but that wasn't even my notes. But there you go, that's a free one. Um, So not yet seen. So listen to this. In Genesis chapter six, verse nine, it says this. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. He's a good dude. Noah walked with God. In verse 10, and Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt. This is important. Now listen to this. It says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, corruption, violence. I don't know. Does it seem like we might live in a time that's full of some corruption and violence? You may even look at your school and think, it's pretty corrupt. It's pretty violence. Or it's pretty violence. (laughs) It's violent. (laughs) Whatever. You may look at your school and think, yeah, there's some corruption. There's violence. Well, what does God think about that? Maybe you're in the room and you're like, does God even care what's going on in my school right now? What's going on in my life? Maybe you're participating in things you know you shouldn't. Well, here's a question you ask yourself. Does God care about where you are, the corruption, the violence? Well, listen to how God approaches this because um, this story may take a very real turn here. It says this in verse 12. It says, God saw how corrupt the earth was. It's important. He saw, so he cares God sees what's going on in your life. God saw what was going on here. God sees what's going on in your life, in your school, around you. God sees it. And listen to what his response was. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for all flesh had corrupted its way on the earth. Verse 13, then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to all flesh. What? Decided to put an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, therefore I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. As this is a hard thing to mention in this moment, but it's something that you need to know because if you don't hear this truth tonight, remember we talked about me being in my car after getting that receipt and I'm sitting in my car like $139, what? Here's my fear, is that you have no idea about the wrath of God. And this is This is what was unseen. There's all this corruption, this craziness. I'm just living life for myself. This is great. But what they couldn't see was the wrath of God that was fixing to move through and destroy the earth and destroy them. And here's the warning, is if you're not careful, you'll never hear about the wrath of God. You'll never hear about the price that you'll have to pay for your sin. And someday you're going to get to the end of this life. And this unseen wrath that nobody ever told you about is going to be a price that you have to pay. And you're going to get in that moment and you're going to think, oh my gosh, I had no idea. No one ever told me. And here is God stepping in in this moment. And he's saying, Noah, there is something that is coming for the corruption and the violence. And it's my wrath and I'm going to destroy the earth. And some of you in this room may be thinking, I don't want to, when I think about God, I think about God's love and mercy and all these great things. That's what I like to think about. But the truth is, and something we don't talk about enough, is this unseen reality of God's wrath that you're not experiencing now because God loves you so much that he's given you this moment to respond to him in faith so you don't have to experience this wrath. But his wrath is real, and you can read about it in Romans. It actually says this. This won't be on the screen, but listen up, because some of you are thinking, that's Genesis. That's Old Testament. I don't even know that. Well, listen to this. This is, um, this is Romans. This is New Testament. And it says this, but because of your hard 
and impatient heart. I don't know where you are. If you have a hard heart, maybe you're sitting in this room tonight and you're like, I really don't care what Randy says. I don't even really want to be here. It says this, because of your hard and impatient heart, maybe there's impatience in here. Maybe you're thinking, I just can't wait till this is over so I can go do what I want to do. Because of your hard and impatient heart, you are storing up wrath. That's real. You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath. That means you're not experiencing it now. That means there is something coming. You're storing up wrath. Doesn't mean you're experiencing it now. So right now, it's all great. I don't care. Who cares about God? What's happening is you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Guys, there is something unseen that is coming for everyone who doesn't believe in God. The Bible says that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. That is each one of us, myself included. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's Word also says the wages of sin is death. That is death and destruction. Students, I stand in front of you as a person who, des who deserves God's wrath. I deserve God's destruction. Just like Genesis, because maybe you're in this room like, oh, I don't deserve it. Just like the corruption and violence that was taking place here in Genesis, that's me. And I deserve God's wrath and judgment. But here is the good news about this story of Noah and the ark. Let me read what God's plan is because you can hear about God's wrath and you need to know this because it's unseen. But listen to how God responds. It doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, I'm going to destroy the earth, Noah. Just wanted to give you a heads up. No, he doesn't stop there. And he's not saying that to you. Some of you guys are probably thinking like, oh my goodness, like God's wrath? Well, I'm, I'm going to, I can't handle that. Here's what God does in the midst of all this corruption. This is what Jesus says in verse, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, three in one. <laughs> in verse 14, it says this of Genesis chapter six. This is the solution. God's wrath. There's been no talk about water. It's just, I'm going to destroy the earth. And then verse 14 says this, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and out. That's the solution. I'm just thinking, like, oh, no, I'm like, destruction, wrath, violence, corruption, you're going to destroy the whole earth, I'm scared, and God says, but don't worry, I want you to build a boat. <laughs> what? A boat? I need to build like a, I don't know, a shelter or something. <laughs> but he calls for a boat. Make a boat, and not just any boat. He begins to give instructions. I want this giant boat, four stories high, one and a half football fields long. It's a big old boat. Um, and and I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is that that's got to be some of the strangest instructions Noah's ever heard. And I'm just saying tonight when we talk about, we're talking about God's wrath and what God is calling you to, and you may hear God's word and you may think, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Well, let me just tell you, the further away we get from God, the stranger his voice and his calling and his instructions are going to be. But he says this, make for yourself an ark. And then if you skip down to verse 17, it says this, understand that I am bringing a deluge floodwaters on the earth to destroy all flesh under heaven with the breath of life in it. All right, he's saying, I'm destroying everything. And then he says, everything on earth will die. That is God's wrath. You guys, it's coming for us too. You can read in Revelations. I mean, I was talking to David earlier. I'm like, man, it's so crazy. Like, there's a, God's wrath is real. Revelations is at the end. You can uh, take a look at it. Uh, it's coming for us. So it says this, but it's unseen, right? In verse 18, listen to this, but I will establish my covenant with you. 
You guys, that's God saying there is hope. He says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, your son's wives. So now he's saying there's going to be a flood, and this is how it applies to you, right? The thing that was unseen, it's this floodwaters, but the reality is it's God's wrath that's coming. And in verse 19, it says this, you are also to bring into the ark two of every living thing. God cares about animals too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, sorry. But you are also to bring into the ark two of every living thing of all flesh, male and female, and then get this, to keep them alive with you. To keep them alive. We've talked a lot about death in this passage, and the story of knowing the ark is very dark. We make it so bright and fun in Sunday in little children's church or whatever. But the truth is, there's a lot of destruction. But in this moment, God says, but I want you to make an ark because you and your family are going to enter into this thing, and you're going to live. And so what knowing the ark becomes, we see God's wrath in such an incredible way, but you see God's provision. And in the same way, here in this moment, we've talked about God's wrath awaits for all of us, but in the same way, God's provision is here for all of you. Some of you guys are like, no, in the ark, that's such an ancient story. But I want you to know that it is symbolic of where we are tonight. And God is calling out to you, you are Noah. And God is saying, there is something unseen that is coming, but he's like, I have this ark. And he doesn't want you to build a boat, but God's provision, the way that we escape God's wrath is that we place our faith and our trust in Jesus. We live for him with everything we have. And to some people that seems crazy. For some people, it's like, how can you live for Jesus? And you're going to live for Jesus? And some people are going to be like, you are so weird that you do your life that way, not the way that everybody else does. Can you imagine Noah building this ark for 120 years? And they're like, it's never even rained, right? You're going to follow Jesus in this moment. God is saying, I've got provision. You can live in the world, and you can keep going that direction you want to go. And let me just tell you, you're going to stand before God someday, and you're going to have to pay the penalty. You're going to have to experience God's wrath. But instead of having to do that, God steps in and says, I'm giving Jesus as an option. If you're willing to trust in Christ, you will escape the wrath of God because on that cross, when Jesus hung on that cross and his hands were pierced with those nails and he was beaten, what Jesus was experiencing was the wrath of God being poured out on him so that it wouldn't have to be poured out on you if you will trust him. And as that ark, as Noah and his family got in the ark, as the floodwaters came, Noah and his family were risen above God's wrath. And they didn't have to experience it in the same way if you are willing to hand your life over to Christ. You enter into this ark of protection in a relationship with Christ, and no longer does the wrath of God have any effect will ever touch you. It will never be something that you have to pay because you've trusted in Christ. And students, that's the option that's open tonight. Jesus is saying, there is something coming that is unseen, but I'm giving you an opportunity to enter into the ark and escape the wrath of God if you will take that. And students, the reason why I share this story is because I don't want you to get to the end of your life like I explained and be sitting there just like I was when I bought this vacuum repair or whatever, and I'm like, what just happened? Students, I don't want that to be you when you come to the end of this life realizing how much you're going to have to pay because of the way you lived your life and because of where you placed your faith. And so tonight, what we want to do is give you an opportunity to make Christ Lord of your life, to escape the wrath of God, but even more than that, to experience life the way you were created to experience it. Life abundantly is the life that God promises you.